Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Church, listen, I'd like to start this morning's Bible study with a question. You go, Ben, you do that all the time. I know, I want to get you thinking first and foremost, okay? I don't just want to come out and preach to you, but I really want to get you thinking. You go, Ben, what's the question? Let me ask you this, and I'm pretty sure I I have the answer. Have you ever stopped to wonder, what would happen when you die? I mean, really, you know, I mean, as a human, I mean, I think about like that. In in other words, I guess, the, the have you thought about what happens that moment when you exhale and you don't inhale and you're gone? You go, Ben, I don't like to think about death. I know nobody does. Nobody really, I mean, I don't. But I, I often think about, okay, so what, what's that going to be like? No, because here's why. The Bible tells us, listen to me, church, that we're all going to live forever. Okay, we're all going to live. We have eternal life. We're going to live forever. Now, we know based upon the word of God that where we spend eternity is going to be determined by what we did with God's son. And when we share the gospel, here's the thing, guys. When we share the gospel, hey, listen, you need to know about Jesus. You need to know about my God. You need to know how amazing he is. And somebody goes, nah, not interested. No, thank you. They're not rejecting us, but they're rejecting the Son of God. Now, listen, if, if you haven't been under the rock the last six months, you realize that there's something going on that's different. See, it's not about health and it's not about, it's not about a virus. It's just, you, you can see God is sensitive in your spirit. You go, man, there's something here. There's something not right. And the more we preach, the more people, I'm not sure what's going on. But I do know that where we live, eternally is going to be determined on what we did with Jesus. You go, well, like what? Well, let me ask you this. Did you really put your faith and trust in him? Did you really put your faith and trust in him? Listen, I am begging you to make sure that you are right with Jesus. Why? Because so many people have simply modified their behavior. Oh, I used to do bad habits. Oh, this is Christianity. I need to change my bad habits. But they've never had a transformation that God moved in their heart. And so I'm going, did you put your faith in trust? I mean, is that where you're standing on? And the enemy comes in and says, hey, Jesse, you're this, this, and this. And Jesse goes, I, I know. That's why Jesus died. That's why I'm saved. My faith and trust is in him. Okay? Uh, another thing is, 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 did we confess and believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world? That's what Romans tells us. We must confess and believe in our heart. Belief is so important. Belief is so important. You go, why? Because what we believe is how we behave. What we believe is how we behave. And so exactly this is what he's saying. If we confessed and we believed. And of course, with Jesus, did the gospel of Jesus Christ transform you from the inside out? Not from the outside in. Well, let me see. I'm going to change the way I look. I'm going to cut my hair. I'm going to quit wearing my earrings, whatever it might be. I'm going to dress nice. And then hopefully... That will change how I, no, 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 see, from the inside, it changed. Now, here's the thing that I love. I love that when it comes to, 
what we just asked, have you ever wondered what would happen when you die? I love the fact that my Jesus, he gives me some encouragement about what's going to happen. He tells me what's going to happen, right? Then leave me in the dark. You ever stop to wonder what will happen when you die? I don't know. I'm so scared. I just, I don't know. God's going, no, 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 no. Here's some encouragement. Here's some hope. And you go, what is that? Well, it's found in John chapter 14 in verse 1. Check it out. John 14, 1, Jesus is speaking, and he says this to you and I. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Can I get an amen? That's what Jesus just said. Jesus said, man, what's the first thing he said? He said, with a loving heart and a loving loving look, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You go, what does that mean? Uh, I mean, you can imagine everyone in the room when he said this, guys, was agitated, stressed, sorrowful, and perplexed. Because when he said it, he was with them right before the cross, right before he was about to go, right before he was about to go. Now, remember, in a few short moments, and again, this isn't in my notes, I just, I just, 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 just impacted me crazy. Jesus is going to walk across the temple. He's going to go into the Garden of Gethsemane. But then he's going to be led, guys, down the Kidron Valley over to Caiaphas' house, okay? The Kidron Valley, if you've ever been to Israel, it's it's so amazing. But the Kidron Valley goes right like this, and then it connects. When David wrote in Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, David was actually speaking of the Kidron Valley. And because it's the shadow, because it's on the way it faces on it, in Israel, it's shadowed most of the time, most of the day. And I went, wow, I've been to the Kidron Valley. But I never realized this is what David was seeing. Though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. Why is it death? Guys, because what would happen is it would, it would go into the Hinoam Valley, right? The Kidron would meet, but here they would have, offer sacrifices, they would offer their kids to sacrifice. It's called Gehenna. They would take a lot of the dead bodies and throw them there. It's a park there now, which is really interesting. But I was like, wow. So Jesus would be walking from the garden of the Gethsemane, and he'd walk through the valley of the shadow of death, knowing that he was headed to the cross. And I'm thinking, here, here's what I want to encourage you. This thing is real. You can't make this stuff up. And so what's happened is that he's with the guys and he's going, man, listen, I'm about to go to the cross. Now, here's the thing. They're, they're, they're stressed out, right? Why? Think about this. Their whole world is about to crumble. What do you mean? Jesus is, is going to take the role of a slave. Judas is about to betray, betray him. Peter is going to deny him and many others really not knowing what's about to take place. And Jesus says, listen, I know your world's about to crumble. He says, but don't stress out. That's really the term. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't stress out. In other words, it's, 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 it's very interesting in the Greek because it's emphatic and he says, stop doing this now. That's what he's saying. Stop stressing out. Quit it. Quit being agitated. Okay? 
Now, here's what I want you to see. If you're taking notes in your Bible, I want you to, there's a Holy Spirit stress mark on the word your. Because he wants to make it very personal. He's not just going, hey, quit stressing, come on. He's going, let not your heart be troubled. You go, why? I think it's a great application for us. Man, when I saw that, I pulled it out. And you go, why? Because I think in this world, we're going to have a lot of stress, a lot of trials, a lot of tribulations. And here's what my Jesus is saying to you. Listen, I know coronavirus is out there. I know what you're reading on Facebook. I know that you're about to pull out your hair from reading all kinds of stuff. I know that you're sick and tired of, of, of just of where the world is going. And my Jesus says, don't be stressed out. And you go, why? Why shouldn't I stress, Pastor? Don't, aren't you living in the same world? No, because Jesus said, he said, because if you believe in God, believe also in me. And you go, what does that mean? It means this, that we should have confidence, trust, trustworthiness, reliability, assurance, security, uh, a feeling of assurance, and refuge. That's what it means. I love the Greek language because the Greek language is such a picture language that we get one word and they just, they, they display a whole tree of all kinds of, I mean, this is how it is. They don't, they, and that's what Jesus said. He said, if you believe, he says, you would have confidence. Don't, no reason to stress out. And if that wasn't enough, he even gives us more confidence. Why? Because he says, now listen, because here's what we think, Pastor, but, but Ben, what, what happens if, what happens if I get sick? What happens if I die? What if I'm in a car wreck? What if I get, what if I get the ugly C word? And I'm not talking about COVID, but I'm talking about cancer. What if? And Jesus says, now, now, now listen. Okay, let me give you some more encouragement. You go, what's that? He says, cause in my father's house are many mansions. There you go. Many mansions. Now, what is he talking about? His reference in to in my father's house is to heaven. Heaven. And it's actually used, guys, 532 times in the Bible. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to circle that word for mansions. You can see it right there. I want you to circle. Why? Because it actually means in the Greek, rooms or dwelling places. That's what it means. Now, I've got a, I'm, I'm going to give you a spoiler alert, okay? I hate to do it, but here's the thing. I am so sorry if you thought you were getting a mansion with a manicured lawn, a spiral staircase, a chandelier, a bowling alley, and a swimming pool. Did we not think that? Why? Because we automatically think of mansions. Our minds go to Beverly Hills, and boy, I would like a mansion like in Beverly Hills. Did you know what? And so we think that, right? So we think heaven is a bunch of mansions, and we're thinking we're going to have this beautiful mansion, just marble staircase and all of this stuff, and we're going to say, I don't care where my mansion is, just as long as I don't live next to somebody. Like, I don't mind if Josh and Amanda are in heaven, just don't put my mansion next to me with them, because they'll be over borrowing stuff all the time. That's what we think of mansions, right? That's not the word. That's not the word. The word mansion is dwelling place, house. The place where one has fixed his residence. Well, this jumped out at me, guys, because when I first got saved, we used to sing a song. It was a hymn, and it's a pretty song. 
and I like the song, but it used to go like this. Um, it used to go, just build my mansion. How many of you know it? Next door to Jesus. And he says, and tell the angels, I'm coming home. It doesn't matter who lives around me, just so my mansion sits near the throne. And we used to sing that all the time. Just build my house right next to I don't care where I live. I don't care who lives around me. Just tell the angels. And uh, we used to think we're getting this mansion. And it's going to sit. It's going to be so cool because the throne's going to be right there. And I got my house. And I'll walk out the door and I'll see the throne of God. Yo, Jesus, what up? I'm so glad to be here. It's awesome. And we used to sing that. And I was so excited to sing that because it promised a mansion in heaven next door to Jesus. As a matter of fact, Nathalie and I, we have this discussion all the time. And I try to tell her proper biblical context, but she still believes there's a mansion. And she goes, oh, Jesus is coming back soon. As a matter of fact, he's actually staging my mansion right now. You guys know what I'm talking about? You ever watch Fixer Upper? And they come in, and when they're about to finish the sew, they put the right stuff, right? They, they put the, uh, the vase, and they put the books, and it looks beautiful. It's like, okay, it's ready to go. You guys with me? Well, that's what Nathalie says. That Jesus comes. She goes, yeah, yeah, it's about time. And I look at her, and I'm going, okay. Spoiler alert, that's not what it means. That's not what it means. You go, what does it mean? It means dwelling places. Let me get into it just a little bit. Now, I share this story because Paul, guys, is trying to allude, he's trying to communicate to the Christian church, to the Corinthian church, what, what the Greek word that Jesus used. He, he, he's trying to get, okay, listen, he says, now, Jesus said, man, listen, you're going to build my mansion, right? I'm going to have a mansion. I'm going to go there. This is where you're going to be. And Paul alludes to that. And he's going to teach the Corinthian church, listen, when you die, you are going to have a house, a dwelling place, a mansion. You go, okay, I'm not sure what, what that is, but, but that's okay. That's why we're going to go through it. That's why we're going to unpack it. Remember what Paul taught us, guys, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You go, he taught us about the resurrection from the dead. He said, Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead, and you will too. And everybody goes, wow, far out, amen, that's cool, okay? And, and that's hope. Now, here's the problem. The problem was, guys, is he's addressing this issue again because... A lot of people stepped back from believing that and said, no, I don't believe in the resurrection. I don't believe in the resurrection. As a matter of fact, to all my Bible students out there, remember the Pharisees believed in the resurrection, but the Sadducees didn't. The Sadducees said, no, we don't believe that there's a bodily resurrection. We don't believe any of that. And so the Sadducees were sad you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. But the Pharisees believed, and so there was always some tension in Jerusalem. Well, Paul says, no, 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 hold on. Let's talk about that. And you go, Ben, I have a question. I have a question. Okay, so why did why, why would they first come in and go, yes, Jesus, I believe. He's, he's alive. Leo, he's alive. You go, he's alive. Amen. But then step back from that. Why would they do that? Because the Greek philosophers were coming by. Okay, do you guys remember that? The Greek philosophers of the day would actually deny the resurrection of the body. And they would go, well, why would you, why would you deny that? And here's why. Listen, because they were citing to them that this was the source of man's weakness and sin. Well, the body's full of weakness and sin. 
Okay? And, and so they would teach him, listen, you need to embrace death because what happens is that frees the soul from the body. Your body's just yucky. Your body's just yucky. And their thought was, why would I want my body to come back alive and to struggle again with sin and death? So once I die, I don't want to come back. Because what was their thinking? That they were going to come back into the same body. And I was like, well, once I put this body in the grave, I don't want it anymore. And Paul comes and he says, no, by the way, you're going to be resurrected. And they're like, oh. Oh, now I can understand that. I can relate to that at some level. You say, how? Because with my wife, my wife was diagnosed with cancer five years ago. She's done been healed. Amen. I believe it. I know it. But if the cancer was still lurking about in her body that could come back at any time, which we know it could, why would I want her to come back with that same body and deal with the same issues? And you go, so you can relate. Yeah, exactly. If you have diabetes or if you have a certain illness that you've been struggling with all your life, why would you want that? You go, no, man, I want to be set free. This body's just been a pain in the neck. So I don't believe in a bodily resurrection. Well, that's what's going on, right? That's what's going on. So Paul says, no, 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 I've got to share. I've got to shed some light. I don't want you guys to be ignorant. I don't want you to be in the dark. You go, what happens? Because they're asking, so, so to you and I, what happens when we die? What happens? Wouldn't you want to know? See, if you are a fully devoted follower of God, when you die, and you want to jot this down, your faith then becomes sight. Your faith becomes sight. Now, understand, in this chapter, just a few verses, we are told that on earth, we must walk by faith and not by sight. You with me? But when it comes to taking our final breath on earth, guys, then our faith will automatically become sight. Why? Because then we get to see our, our Savior face to face and enter into our new dwelling place. Guys, think about it. Think about it. You should be so stinking in love with Jesus that, man, when you take your final breath, man, you're just like, my Savior, my God, my God. I can't wait. They, we, we, we have limited views of, and, and we post them on Facebook and we post them on Instagram and stuff, but it's the, it shows one where, where we're running and we're just hugging Jesus' neck when it says first day in heaven. You know what I'm talking about? And it's just like, oh, oh, I can't wait. Because that's what happened to you guys. Something changed in your life and you gave your life to Jesus. You, the scales fell off and now, man, you just, your love, the love that you had is for the Lord. And, and unfortunately, there's an inner civil war going on every single day. Your flesh says, no, I'm going to do what I want to do. And your spirit goes, no, I want to serve Jesus. And you fight all day long, specifically at 5 in the morning. Get up and pray. Oh, I do. 
Get up and have quiet time. I don't want to. I'm tired. Five more minutes, Lord. Five more minutes. And, and you fight that, that, that flesh. And then when you, go, or when you don't give into the flesh and you get up and you say, okay, Lord, I'm going to study the word of God and he speaks to you, you're just like, oh, why do I fight this? This is, I, he spoke to me. He, told, he talked to me. Let, let, me, let me give you, okay, ready? So it's not enough for us just to read scripture. We need to let the scriptures read us. And when the scripture reads us, that's when Jesus comes and he knocks off that hard part that we've been holding on to. Tink, tink, oh, that hurt, but that was good. God, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your hope. I mean, this is what's going on, guys. This is, but, 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 but then what happens, guys, is when you see him face to face, that's your Jesus. Now, what have we talked about? Well, we've discussed, guys, the human frailty back in chapter 4, verse 7. And Paul talks about, he talks about the believer's future hope, right, in, in the eternal heavenly dwelling. And what he does is he contrasts our, the earthly house, which groans in his burden, with the heavenly dwelling with the Lord. And Paul notes that the Holy Spirit acts, listen to this, as a down payment of this future hope. Okay, this is what he's going to say. He's saying, okay, so listen, we understand. But he says, but we've got something that's so cool, so cool. So that's what we're going to jump in, guys. Let's jump in. Check, check it out. Uh, say goodbye to John. Go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Check it out. Verse 1 says this. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed... We have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And I'm going to stop right there. I know we have it on the screen. I think that's so cool. But, but, but listen, let's break it down because there's a lot here. You go, what do you mean? Okay, so let's break it down. The first thing we know is that we have to have some amazing encouragement for the believer. You, you've got to be encouraged today. Why? Because Paul writes that if our earthly house, this tent, okay, you go, what does that mean? It means our present earthly body. Okay, this is a tent. I don't know if you knew this. The real you is just kind of hanging out in here. It's just a tent. Okay, so Paul's going to liken that to a tent. Now, why would Paul use tent? Because he knew things a little bit about tents, right? He was a tent maker. And he understood coverings and dwellings and tents. And so it's so cool. So it stands to reason. He says, now... He says, these tents, these things we carry around every day, just like a tent, he says, one day we're going to stop camping and we're going to break camp and go home. That's what he's saying. He says, we're going to break camp. Now, listen, any campers in here? I know my future uh, son-in-law is going to, loves to camp. He loves that. Any other campers? Camp? You like to camp? You love camp? You like to camp? Anybody else? Yeah, we, we like to camp. No, you don't like to camp? Yeah, it's all right. Yeah. I like to camp. It's fun for a while. It's fun for a while, right? But it's not like home. It's not like home, is it? It's not like home. I remember, guys, my dad and uh, Talia was real little. Miranda hasn't been born yet, and we went camping. My dad had a camper, right, The pop-up, and this is so cool. And so we went from Santa Fe. We went up to Pecos, and Pecos is pretty cool. It's in the mountain area. And I remember going camping, and I was miserable, 
Because it was summertime in Santa Fe, but by the time you got to the mountains, it was cold. And that night, it was so cold that my hair was frozen. I mean, I was like, honey, my hair's frozen. I mean, that's how cold it was. And so, what a miserable night. Now, and we're in a camper. We're not even in a tent. Now, I think you were warm because you were there in between us, but, but... I was freezing, and so I get up as soon as there was light. And I said, I'm going fishing, man. If I'm going to be miserable, I'm going to go fishing, only to catch no fish. You know? Come home. Guess what happens when you're camping? You get dirty. You're smelly. Tired. Frustrated. But we love it, don't we? But it's not like home, is it? It's not like home. I couldn't wait to get home. Why? Because I have a shower at home. And I have a comfortable bed. And I have all the amenities. And my coffee pot's right there. Now, I love eating. Like, like food out there is so much better. You guys know that, right? Eggs at home? Eh, eggs. Eggs out in the mountains? I don't know. There's some... Oh, these are good! How'd you make them? Same way I make them at home. It's just out here... Okay, now I'm, I digress. I'm sorry, I'm going off. But, but uh, Ben, what are you trying to say? There's a time when we go, okay, we're done camping, let's go home. And this is exactly what Paul says. It's time, that, listen, there's going to be a time in your life, guys, when you break camp, okay, and you have a resurrected body, a building from God. He says, not a house made with hands, but it's eternal. Do you guys see that? Eternal in the heavens. And I'm thinking, wow. So the dwelling place, the mansion that Jesus is talking about, guys, he says when we die, we don't need to fear. Why? Because the body is only a house that we live in. And when the believer dies, he goes into the grave, his body does, but his spirit goes to be with Christ. When Christ returns, okay, I'm waiting for the trumpet. He says, then he'll raise the dead bodies in glory, and the body and the spirit shall be joined together for a glorious eternity. That's what it is. That's what he's talking about. So there's so so much encouragement. Why? One day, I'm going to shed this body. One day. One day. I'm going to get a, a new body. Now, in God's house in heaven, there's many, many, I'm going to have a brand new dwelling place. I'm going to have a brand new body. I don't think I'm going to have a manicured lawn with a bowling alley in a swimming pool, but I'm going to have what God, it's, it's, it's God, and God doesn't make junk, does he? God doesn't make junk, so I'm excited about the body. And this is what he's saying, right? And, and so the Corinthian church would go, Paul, okay, explain a little bit more. But look at verse two, guys. He says, for we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven, if indeed being clothed, we shall not be found naked. Okay? So what does it mean? It means we grow weary in our present bodies, longing to put on our heavenly clothing. He says, for we put on our heavenly bodies, we will not be spirits without bodies. Now, please understand, okay? I need to teach you that Paul is not expressing that we have a daily death wish. Man, I just can't wait. I'm, we, he says it's actually quite the opposite. He says we're eager, guys, 
for Christ's return so that we can be forever clothed in our glorified body. We're waiting. We're waiting. And Paul would tell us, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And that should be something that we live. For me to live, I'm going to live for Jesus. While I'm on earth, I'm living for Jesus. I'm going to share him. I'm going to love him. He's going to be my all in all. Listen, Jesus is not just going to be a part of me. He's just not going to be one-tenth of what he's all of me. And then the rest of my life is going to be governed by what Jesus is. And what I do is going to be filtered on through who Jesus is and my relation. That's what he's talking about. But to die, ooh, hallelujah, I get a body. I get a great body. I get a resurrected body. Why? Because he says, listen, listen. Now, here's what I want you to catch. He says, but listen, okay, so when you die, he says, you're still not going to be found naked. In other words, Paul teaches that we're not going to be bodily. We're not going to be, that we shall not have bodies after the resurrection. You're going to have a body. You're going to have a body. Now, here's what I like. It's going to be a glorified body. And here's what I really love about it. We get to still eat. Do we have to eat? No. But we get to eat. And all those things that you are limiting yourself for, this, I can't have that. I can't, that's a cookie. I really like cookies. I want a cookie. I can't have it. Right? That's a, that's a good looking chili dog you got right there. I wish I could have a chili dog. I'm watching Elsa. In heaven, you'll be able to have those. You don't have to worry. You have to worry. Now, it's not something that we have to do to sustain ourselves like now. It's something we get to do. Because, listen, I don't know about you, but the marriage supper of the Lamb is going to be glorious. It's going to be glorious. We get to eat. And we get to fellowship. And it's going to be so good. So we get a good, we get a body. We get a body. Now, listen, I joke around, but I'm telling you, calories don't count in heaven. I'm telling you. You don't have to worry about calories. Verse 4. For we who are in this tent groan. Can I get an amen? You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Rosa Rosa says, yes. Yes. Why? Well, he says... For we who are in this tent, groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up in life. Now, let's break this down. What is Paul saying? While you and I live on this earth with these bodies, we groan, right? Life is hard. Life is hard. As the older you get, now, I'm looking in here. There's only a few of us that are older. The older we get. All of a sudden, things aren't working like they used to. And we didn't do anything. It's like, what happened? I just got out of bed. What happened? I rolled the wrong way. How many of you got hurt in bed? I mean, you literally, you just twist your back. You're like, oh, what happened? That's what happens. As your bodies get older, we start to groan, man. We're like, really? Really? Now, here's the thing. Guys, let's put on our, let's put on our Jesus glasses, okay? Let's put on perspective. Because... Because ever since we were born, we know that, that, that death is permanent, okay? We, 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 we have somebody we love, and then they're gone, and we feel like we'll never see them again. They're, they're, death is permanent. But really, death for the believer is God's grace, because he doesn't want us to grow old and older and older and break down and live eternal, live forever, right? And, and what happens, guys, when you see somebody hurting? What happens when you're going, oh, let him go home? 
This body is, is sick. This body is weak. This body is breaking down. That's okay. And I know that death, we feel like it's permanent, but it's God's grace to us. And he says, I love you so much. I'm not going to let you be 150 broken down where you can't. And you guys know this. You guys know this. Back in January, we had um, we have some great friends up in Amarillo. And we went to have lunch with them back in January when I taught at Grace. And Mark's mother um, was 97 years old. And she was as strong. I mean, she was vibrant. I'm going, 97. Wow. And she was having lunch with us and talking and fully, I mean, 97. And they just celebrated her funeral just a few days ago. Because what happened is she had some sort of growth on her hand. They did an uh, operation, and she had a stroke, and seven weeks later she went to be with Jesus. That's God's grace. Because these bodies are not meant to last forever. Shannon, we need to take care of our bodies, right? We need to take care of our bodies while we're here. This is the temple that God gave us, but they're not going to last forever. And so we take care of our bodies. We eat right. We exercise. We do what we need to do. But then again, we're going to trade it in. We're going to break camp and say, okay, I'm ready to turn this in. I'm ready to turn this in. Now, guys, we cannot have the mindset in stressful times like this to go, oh, I don't care. I'm just going to do... I'm just going to eat what I want to eat because Jesus is coming back. I used to have that mindset. Well, you know, forget it. Jesus is coming back. I'm just going to have fun. But God says, no, I want you to do the things that you need to do. I want you to, because I may not come back for 20 years. And I don't want you to be 55 and just really, for you, Ben, sick. And, and I've, got, I've got a calling for you. Okay, okay, okay. Lord, I'll do this. So one day, if Jesus doesn't come back for us, so we're going to take our final breath here. Paul, one day, yeah, that's a big deep breath, right? But it's so cool. Because based upon the word of God, if you're a fully devoted follower, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, if you put your faith and trust in him, you have nothing to worry about. I promise you. You can't promise that, Ben. No, the word of God does. Why? Because the, que- the, the question the Corinthian church might be asking is, how do I know this is true? How do I know what you're telling me is true? Do we have some sort of guarantee? But wait, there's more, right? You, you ever get that? Here's your guarantee. But wait, there's more. If you order today, I'm going to throw in a set of knives and we'll double the offer. No, Paul says there's a guarantee. As a matter of fact, he says, yes, look at verse 5. He says, now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Everybody say guarantee, because I want to make sure you're awake. I going to make sure you're with us. Guarantee. Now, this is amazing. This is amazing. Why? Because first and foremost, I don't know if you caught it, God himself has prepared us for this. God himself. That's what I like. That's what I like. And then he says, but, but if you need a guarantee, here's your guarantee. Rosa, Jim, here's your guarantee. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. He's the guarantee. Now, 
Here's what I love, guys. Here's what I love. If you, if you look at your Bible and you use your Bible app and you use Logos, if you click on it, you say, okay, what does guarantee mean? It's translated out down payment. You guys know about down payments, right? If you're going to put, if you're going to put, uh, if you're going to buy a house, if you're interested in a house, you go and say, here's my, first of all, earnest money. It's another term, but then you put a down payment. I'm, I want that. I'm serious about this house. I'm willing to fork out five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars because I want this house. You're serious about it. That's what it means. So God is so serious about you. He's giving you a down payment. What's the down payment? It's the Holy Spirit. But click it again. Here's what I love. You ready? Click it again. You go, what? Give me, give me another way. He says, okay. Um, it's more like an engagement ring. That's what it means. It's like an engagement ring, right? Now, it's, it's more than a promise ring, right? It's an engagement ring. So this means that God is so serious about us that he sent his Holy Spirit, and that's your engagement ring. That's your engagement ring. You're engaged. The wedding is soon. The wedding is soon. Guys, think about this. In the Jewish culture, okay, the husband would come in and he'd betroth you. And he'd say, okay, so you're betrothed. You're engaged. He'd go home and he would add a room to his father's house. Okay? And so he'd be building a room. And then when the room was done, he'd go to dad and he'd say, dad, the room's done. And you know what dad would say? Go get your bride. So what were, what were you doing while you were betrothed, while you were engaged? It was like you were married. You were just waiting for your husband. Guys, as the bride of Christ, we're married. We're just waiting for our husband. Okay? And so he goes, man. So, so we're not waiting for Jesus to finish the room. That's already been done. All we're waiting for is him to say, go get your bride. That's all we're waiting for. We're all going to a wedding soon. We're all part of a wedding soon. It's so cool. But the Holy Spirit inside you is your engagement ring. So when the enemy comes in, when the world comes in and says, hey, you want to do this? Say, no, I can't. I'm engaged. You're engaged? Yeah, to Jesus. I'm engaged. What does it mean to be engaged? First and foremost, it means you're off limits to anybody else. That's it. You're, you're off limits. You, you're betrothed. You belong to somebody. And second of all, there's going to be a glorious day. I've done lots of weddings. I've done lots of weddings. And that's so cool to stand up here. Listen, you guys have been to lots of weddings, but I've got to do them. And I get to see the groom check out the bride for the first time. I had one wedding where the, where the groom couldn't stop crying. He's looking, he's like, and I'm like, dude, get it together. Your bride's coming down. And he's just like, Aah. I mean, he's just literally. It's like, dude. But I can't wait for that day. Right, soon, soon and very soon, the father's going to say, okay, it's time for you to get your bride. And we have that guarantee, guys. We have that guarantee. So because we're engaged, guess what Paul writes? He says this, verse 6. So we are always confident knowing that while we are home in the body, 
we are absent from the Lord. If you have a pencil handy, guys, you can circle that word for confident because it means be, be of good cheer. He says, so we're always of good cheer. Why? Because we know that while we're still here on earth, we're, we're absent from the Lord. We're not with the Lord. I get it. But I also think that because we have this hope, we should be of good cheer. We should, we should be different, shouldn't we? Man, it's hard. It's hard to always be like, Sometimes I find myself, guys, and, and maybe you can relate to this. Sometimes I find myself being angry. And I'm not angry necessarily at the person, but I think the, the life is, has, has, has some stuff, and I just feel like, and, and the Lord knocks on my heart, and he says, who are you really angry at? Because you're taking it out on, yeah, Lord, what is it? What is it? I was sitting in my chair this morning, and as praying and going through over my notes and asking God what he wanted to speak to me. And I thought, what a life that Jesus lived. Here's the son of God who, who knew no sin and he became sin for us. And then I asked the question, and maybe you have too, I asked the question, Lord, how do I get closer to you? And I almost felt like he said, be careful what you put in your eye gate, in your ear gate, because that's the one thing that's keeping me away from you. You see, because my Jesus lived such an amazing life, but he didn't have what was going on on TV. He didn't have the media. He didn't have a lot of the stuff that, that I allow in my life. Well, at that church at Calvary Chapel, they said we can't watch the news. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm, what I'm saying is limit yourself because there's some things that want to keep you and deter you and discourage you from your walk with God. It, it, it's not hard, guys, if we read and watch 140 news stations about COVID that we would dream and we would, we would, we would, that would be all we are. But Jesus says, listen, if you want to draw close, be careful. And I thought, wow, Lord. But I, it's hard. Lord, I live in a world where I've got to do stuff and I've got to think things and blah, 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 blah. And he's like, no, all that really matters because I want you to be of good cheer. I want you to be of good cheer. Jesse, I want you to be of good cheer because, you know what? While you're on this earth, you're in that body, you're going to be absent from the Lord. It's okay. He gets this. And then Warren Wearsby writes this, and I love the quote. Warren Wearsby writes, quote, Believers on earth, at home, in the body, while believers who have died are absent from the body. He says, Believers on earth are absent from the Lord while believers in heaven are present with the Lord, end quote. And I thought that was so cool, right? Because while we're here, we're not with Jesus. Although Jesus lives in us and we feel him, we're not, we're not really with him. But those of us that have lost loved ones, here's the encouragement, that love Jesus, they're with Jesus. We're going to see him again. We're going to see him again. And, and I thought, wow, so we could be of good cheer, Right? And then, and then Paul writes this, right? He says, verse 7, For we walk by faith and not by sight. Now, Leo, you know this. We can't pull this verse out of context. A lot of people pull it out of context. Well, we just got to walk by. You got to walk. Walk by faith, brother, not by sight. But he's talking about the resurrected body. He's talking about that you're going to get a glorified body one day. He said that you're going to get a mansion, a dwelling place. And so... 
to have good cheer, you need to walk by faith. No, you can't see it, right? I mean, we don't have a catalog of going, okay, this is what your body's going to look like when you die. Pick A, B. We don't have anything like that. So we have to walk by faith. We have to trust him. We have to trust him. And that's what Paul says. Walk by faith. Walk by faith. Listen, while we're on this earth, guys, every day we are called to walk by faith. We believe it. But what should we have faith in? The fact that one day we're going to have a glorified, resurrected body. That's what he's talking about. That's what the context is. One day when we leave this tent here on earth, we'll be present with Jesus. Can I get an amen? Because that's really what it's about, right? Soon, one day, soon and very soon, the Lord's going to come back and we're all going to get a brand new body. Now, here's, here's the beauty. Here's what Thessalonians tells us, okay? He says, first and foremost, you're going to hear a trumpet. You're going to hear the shout. You're going to hear the Lord. And he says, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. So they're, they're up there right now. They're going to come get, get their glorified body. And we who are alive and remain, we're going to be transformed. In half a blink, we'll get a brand new body, and we'll forever be with the Lord. That's hard to believe. Rose, is that hard to believe? It is, right? Because you don't see it. But you believe it by faith. You know it's coming. You know it's coming. You know it's coming. When is it coming? I don't know, but it's coming. I don't know. Could be today. Could be today. Could be tomorrow. Could be 20 years. Jesse, you used to have little ones. You got to get them to college. You'd be praying for their husbands, for your daughter's husband. You'd be praying because you don't know. You don't know. You might have grandchildren one day. You don't know. Or it could be today. And you with your girls, Samuel and your wife, together with the Lord in half a blink. Boom. Either way, we win, guys. Either way. Either way, we win. I've read the end of the book. We win. We win. So be of good cheer. Walk by faith, not by sight. So as Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, Believers go, we, 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 we haven't seen proof of this resurrection and glorification with their own eyes. And Paul says, no, no, listen, you, you, need to, you need to live by faith and so confidently expect God to do what he promised to do. You go, what does that mean? It means that you should wear your engagement ring proudly. Let people see the Holy Spirit, right? You know what I'm talking about? When you get engaged, when you get engaged, and you take pictures, what do you do? Right? You want everybody to see that. But when people look at your picture, what's the first thing they notice? Wow. They see your ring. Right? You'll put it on Facebook. See anything different? Right? And everybody's like, yeah, you see there. But that's how it should be. I mean, I'm being silly, but that's how it should be with our lives. The Holy Spirit in our lives should be that. When you take a picture, the Holy Spirit is, that's you. I'm, I'm engaged. I'm engaged. I show it off proudly. Proudly, I'm engaged. I'm engaged. Paul says in verse 8, we are confident, yes, well pleased. 
rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. Guys, let me enclose, let me close our study by unpacking these last two verses and making some comments, okay? Here's what Paul writes. I wonder if you realize that as believers in Jesus, you will walk some hard roads and some difficult paths. You go, yep, yep. Only to realize you're not going to stop. And when the time comes, you'll be ready to go home to exchange this body for a new one. But here's the key. Here's what I want you to see. He goes, listen, here's what it's going to be. In this world, you're going to have tribulations. In this world, you're going to be, there's going to be some hard roads. There's going to be some struggles. He says, don't stop. Your husband's coming. Jesus is coming. He says, but that's not even really the key. Here's what I want you to focus on. You go, what's that? Here's what I want you to focus on. He says, honestly, that doesn't matter because the main thing is simple. What's that? Pleasing God is the main thing, right? Is the, is, 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 that's what you're supposed to do no matter what. No matter what. Whether we walk by faith here on earth or our faith becomes sight, we're called to please the Father in heaven. That's our goal. That's our goal. My granddaughter is six years old. And yesterday, right around noon, she likes, to, she likes to climb the tree in our front house. And she gets up about, you know, about eight or ten feet. And then she calls for Grandpa. Grandpa, come and sit me. Get me down. And so I'll go over there and I'll say, okay, Cordy, trust fall. And she knows what that is. Okay, so she's holding on to the tree and she'll look and she'll make sure Grandpa's there. And I'll say, I got you. I got you, sweetie. And she'll let go, and Grandpa will catch her every time. It's a trust fall. I know in my heart that I'm not going to let her fall. I know that. She knows in her heart that I'm not going to let her fall. It's called a trust fall. It's, it happens so many times that we do it all the time. Grandpa, trust fall. This morning before church started, we were outside, and she said, Grandpa, trust fall. But the problem was is she kept looking back. I said, no, 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 look at Haas. Look at Haas right there. Look, okay, trust me. I'm going to be here. Okay, are you going to be there? Because there are sometimes. We want to make sure. What Paul is telling us today, guys, is he's saying, okay, when it comes to heaven, when it comes to death, trust fall right into the arms of Jesus. Trust fall. You don't have to look. Just go, that's it. That's it. That's it. Trust fall into the arms of your heavenly Father. 
And I love the fact that I don't sit here. Listen to me. Listen, this is, this is for somebody. I love the fact that I don't go with my granddaughter and say, listen, I'll trust fall only if, you're, if you behaved and you cleaned your room and you did this and you did this and you did this and you did this, then maybe I'll be here for you. Because then she would never fall back, would she? Because that conviction of, well, I was bad yesterday. Well, I did this the other day. Well, I'm a mess there over here, but grandpa's not going to. You know what? You know what her, you know what her trust fall is based on? Not how she behaves, but who her grandpa is. And when you take your final breath, know that you're, Your heavenly father is holding you, not because of who you are, but because of who he is. And you can rest assured. And that's where the cheer comes from. That's where you could walk by faith. That's where you just just smile. So when you go out to lunch today or you go out to dinner or whatever it might be this week and somebody sees you smiling for no reason, they say, what's wrong with you? You say, I got engaged. You did? Yeah. Jesus is coming back for me soon. Hey, you want to get engaged? All you have to do is surrender your life to him. It's the most awesomest thing I've ever done. And now we wait. Amen? Father, thank you for your word and the truth in your word. Thank you for your great love for us. Thank you, God, that we're engaged, that you sent your Holy Spirit, God. We have a guarantee. And all we have to do is wait, wait for the wedding. When's the wedding date, Lord? I'm ready. Oh, wait. You want other folks to join the wedding? Amen. Amen. Here's my heart to y'all as your pastor. Make sure your heart is right with God. Confess anything you need to confess. Repent. Open up your heart, confess him, invite him inside. And maybe you're watching online and you just happen to be clicking this and you're going through and say, man, this guy, I don't know. You were saying some things and, 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 and I don't know if I'm right with God, to be honest with you. I don't know if I'm right with God, but, but I want to be. Some of you might be watching and say, man, I grew up in church my whole life and never heard anything like this. Maybe today is your day. Maybe the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, I'm, I'm ready for you to get engaged. I'm ready for this down payment. Will you open up your heart? Will you invite me inside? Will you confess your sins? Will you repent? Will you surrender your life to me? And all you have to do is say yes. And I say this a thousand times. Listen, God's not mad at you. He's madly in love with you, and he's giving you this chance this opportunity to surrender your life to him. And all you have to do is wherever you are, get on your knees and say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe in you. I believe you died on the third, you died and and on the third day you resurrected and you're in heaven right now. I believe that you're coming back, God, and I trust you. And I'm asking you, God, to come into my life, to be my life, that I can live for you always. If you prayed that prayer or something like that, however it is between you and God, we want to know about it because we're here to help you. We're here to walk with you. We're here to encourage you. Thank you, Lord. We look so forward to your return. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.
Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.